Well, good morning, everyone. We want to welcome you to the worship services here at Grace Church at Franklin in Franklin, Tennessee. For those of you watching by the internet, we're located at 4052 Arno, A-R-N-O Road in Franklin, Tennessee. Franklin is about 15 minutes, 20 minutes south of Nashville, Tennessee. If you are in the Nashville, Tennessee area, We'd love to have you come and worship with us. Our worship begins at 1045 on Sunday morning with classes beginning at 10 a.m. If you're interested in attending a very sound Bible class, the Bible says in Psalm 134, Behold, bless ye the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord, which by night stand in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. The Lord that made heaven and earth bless thee out of Zion. And that's the way we're going to begin our services, blessing the Lord and thanking him for this past week, asking his blessings upon our worship services and activities today. Brother Joshua Waltz is going to come and lead us now. Good morning, everybody. Hope you all have had a great week. If you would stand up with us, it's number 50 in your hymnal, and it's up on the board for us this morning. Number 50 in the hymnal, Fairest Lord Jesus. Y'all sing with us. Fairest Lord Jesus, ruler of all nature, oh, thou of God. Son of God and Son 
and honor, praise and adoration, now and forevermore, be thine. Amen, amen. You all can be seated and we're going to have some announcements. Uh, if we could, let's thank the Lord and also thank Keith over here for sending Keith this week. Miss Sue is away from us this week, and I just want to say thank you to Keith and the, and the guys over there playing with us. Good morning. I'd like to add my welcome to that of the pastors and Josh's, and take an opportunity this morning just to mention a few prayer requests that we have before you and ask that as the Lord calls them to your mind that you would lift them up this week. <clears throat> to Bethel Montgomery sent an update on her grandson, Vinny, who had surgery recently. Everything went well on the surgery, and he's home but due to his autism, he is very upset with the change and the fact that his cast are on both of his legs. So he's constantly asking for them to be taken off. So let's pray that the Lord might give him a peace and acceptance of the, of the change that he had to go through overnight and also that the Lord would be pleased to heal him very quickly. We also continue to remember our brother Wally Haddon, lift him up and marry both before the Lord. Continue to remember Carl and Ruby Perry. Ruby is scheduled for surgery this Thursday at Centennial in Nashville, so let's pray for that. She is expecting a short procedure, and we certainly pray that all will go well. Calvin LaPetri is home and continues to make good progress in his therapy after recovering from surgery from uh, a broken femur fracture. Let's remember him before the Lord. Also, Bob Castle, who's been ill. I haven't heard from him lately. I don't know if anyone else has, but he is better. Good. So let's continue to remember him as he gets his strength back. Elder Turner was mentioning this morning that his strength is almost fully returned, and he's been out working in the yard and said his wife got on to him recently for working out in the heat and then turned around and said, I think you need to do some over here. So <laughs> sorry, Linda. Got to help my brother out this morning. <clears throat> we want to also pray for Beth Moran's niece, Laura Jackson, whose cancer has overtaken her entire body. Let's remember her before the Lord that he'll be merciful. And if it's pleasing that he'll, he will work a miracle in her. Let's pray for Cheryl Cawthorn's 41-year-old son, Josh, who is out in Georgia with some severe heart problems. Uh, Becky Smith's mom, who is an 80, uh, her mom's 87-year-old sister-in-law, Carol, fell a little over a week ago and had surgery and within the last few days has suffered a heart attack and underwent some surgery for that. So let's remember her before the Lord. Also, Larry Smith's co-worker Rita is back in the hospital with heart problems and Larry's brother is experiencing some significant allergy problems. We certainly want to remember Marie Dalton. It's good to see her here today for Gladys Alquist and her son, Carolyn Batt, Paul Osborne, and his wife, Diane, and also Howie Smith as he serves in the military. I want to remind you that if you want to support the ministry of Grace Church, there's an offering box located on the round table in the foyer where you can place your tithes and offerings. And let's just continue to pray for the services today and for our pastor as he seeks to deliver his, uh, the Lord's word every week. Yes, ma'am. Amen. So in case you didn't hear that, Linda has a ministry to prisoners, and one of, her, one of the prisoners is coming up for parole, so she asked that the Lord's will would be done in that situation. So let's remember that person. All right, Josh is going to come up and lead us in some additional singing. Well, good morning again. 
again, everybody. It is sweet to trust in our Lord Jesus. It's number 257 in the hymnal. We're going to sing that. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take Him at His word. Just to rest upon His promise. Just to know, thus saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him. How I've proved Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh, for grace to trust Him more. sweet to trust in Jesus just to trust his cleansing blood just in simple faith to plunge me beneath the healing cleansing flood Jesus, Jesus how I trust him how I've proved him or Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him more. Yes, tis sweet to trust in Jesus, just from sin and self to cleanse, just from Jesus simply taking Life and rest and joy and peace. Jesus, Jesus, how I've trusted Him, how I've proved Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him more. so glad I learned to trust the precious Jesus Savior friend and I know that thou art with me will be with me to the end Jesus Jesus how I trust him how I've to trust Him more. Amen. Beautiful. <clears throat> of course, we got, had the pleasure of being able to hear Keith's song, I guess it's been a couple months ago now, right? He, he changed the words on that, "'Tis so sweet to trust you, Jesus." And if you missed that, we ought to find the recording of that somewhere because that, that was a great <clears throat> song that he arranged. We're going to do How Great Is Our God. Can you all stand with us? <clears throat> Let's get that up on the board if we can. How Great Is Our God. Thank you. 
the splendor of a king Clothed in majesty Let all the earth rejoice All the earth rejoice He wraps himself in light And darkness tries to hide And trembles at his voice Trembles at his voice How great is our God Sing with me how great is our God And all will see how great How great is our God Age to age he stands And time is in his hands Beginning and the end Beginning and the end The Godhead three in one Father, Spirit, and Son, the Lion and the Lamb, the Lion and the Lamb. How great is our God, sing with me, how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our can be seated. And uh, Brother Bill, I think, I think Keith is going to do a special for us, right? We're going to go ahead and let him do that. All right, sounds good to me. Um, <clears throat> I, uh, 
I want to sing a song for you that was written by uh, me and a, a friend of mine named Heather Field. Um, it's called Take Me to the Cross. And there's a verse, um, sure, many of you heard in Matthew uh, chapter 16, verses 24 through 26. It says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? So I just want to concentrate on that. The first part of the verse where he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And for me, as a follower of Jesus, um, that's a, it's a daily thing. And I think in another scripture it says daily, take up your cross. But uh, it has to be done every day, and it's something that I have a hard time doing with because I, some, most of the, a lot of times, I don't want to take up my cross. I don't want to deny myself. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Um, but the Lord says there's really no other way um, to follow him, which is really where true home is, is in following the Lord. Um, and there's no way to do that other than to take up our cross and to deny ourselves. Um, and thank God he gives us the power to do it. And most of the time, I need him to lead me to that cross, whether it be just himself or through someone else. But um, that's what the song is about. How many lonely roads must I take? And how many worthless things must I learn to forsake? How many foolish words must I embrace? How many times reject amazing grace? How much must I destroy with my own hands? And how much wasting time till I understand? I am wretched and poor and I am lost and I need someone who can take me to the cross take me to the cross Jesus that I may be found take me to the cross Lord my life down Oh, I know I will find my way home If only you will take me to the cross Wow 
Why do I refuse to pray when I know I should? And why do I refuse to do what I know is good? Why do I tell myself that I could not be lost? And when I need someone who can take me to the cross, Take me to the cross, Jesus, that I may be found. Take me to the cross, Lord, to lay my life down. Oh, I know I will find my way cross where all my sin and shame will be no more the cross where all the lost find what you died for take me to the cross Jesus that I may be found take me to the cross Lord my life down Oh, I know I will find my way home If only you will take me Oh, I know I will find my way home If only you will take me to the cross appreciate uh, Keith uh, playing for us today uh, with our hymns, and I personally love hymns. <laughs> I'm old school, I suppose, but I love those hymns, and he does a fantastic job playing. Did you enjoy that? Let him know that. All right, let me get you to stand together with us. I'm going to read the passage of Scripture first, and then we're going to sing and ask the Lord to come and visit with us. It's found in Genesis chapter 41, if you have a Bible and you'd like to turn to that. Genesis chapter 41, we welcome all of you who are visiting by the internet and welcome those of you who are present this morning. Genesis 41 verse 1, it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river, and there came up out of the river seven well-favored and fat-fleshed cows. And they fed in a meadow, and behold, seven other cows came up, and after them out of the river ill-favored and lean-fleshed 
And they stood by the other cows upon the brink of the river. And the ill-favored and the lean-fleshed cows ate up the seven well-favored and fat cows. And Pharaoh awoke. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word. Let God's people say praise the Lord. And we're going to ask the Lord to help us now as we seek to open his word. Okay? Father, I stretch my hand to thee. No You know, it was through our television ministry, or I should say our internet ministry, that I met uh, Keith. Uh, he saw our program, saw our worship services, and I guess he was following it along. And I happened to be in Kroger one Sunday evening, and he was in Kroger. And uh, we met and talked for a little while, and he's been coming, and what a blessing he has been to us. I want to repeat my challenge this morning uh, that I gave you last week. I'm challenging this church and everyone in this church to challenge yourself and ask the Lord to help you invite at least one person to the worship services here on Sunday morning. You can do that. If you do that and do it prayerfully, I believe the Lord will honor that and send people here. We can't seem to get all of our people here at one time. We're kind of a hit and miss congregation. Sometimes folks are gone for a couple of weeks and then they come back. But if we got everybody here, we'd practically be full uh, in this building. So let me challenge you to do that. Don't forget to pray for those who are not with us. Bob Castle is still under the weather. And uh, I want you to pray for him, his wife, I think it's on a trip out of town, and there are others, uh, Ruby Perry, uh, as you heard, facing surgery. We're thankful for Brother Turner. Shirley is not here today with us, Shirley Murphy. We want to pray for Shirley. Uh, all of these brothers and sisters, let's remember them before the Lord. Let's call them. Let's send them cards. Let's let them know we miss them and we're thinking about them. Years ago in England, a man was a very famous pastor named Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Probably most of you have heard of Brother Spurgeon. And uh, he was the type guy, he was a humorous fellow. He was, he was called the last of the Puritan preachers, but he had a bit of humor. Very unusual man for England because England is ruled by the Church of England. And so they have very formal, what's called high church uh, services, everything is governed by a prayer book and so on. Everything is one, two, three, four. And Spurgeon came along with a handkerchief about this long that had polka dots on it. 
which he frequently waved while he was preaching, and he had a suit on, and it is said that Queen Victoria, two or three times incognito, who's the head of the church in England, came to hear Spurgeon preach. Well, there's a story that Mr. Spurgeon himself told, and it's about a man who came to see him and said, Brother Spurgeon, I've been sitting here listening to you now for two or three years, and I have read the Bible through three times in two years, and I still can't understand what you're saying. Spurgeon said, I see the problem immediately, sir. He said, what is that? He said, number one, he said, get off of your knees. You said you've been reading the Bible, you read it three times in two years. He said, get off of your knees and get in a good, comfortable chair. That's the first thing to do. He said, number two, he said, slow down, you're reading too fast. You're reading too fast. Read it through three times in two years, reading too fast. I think sometimes that when I'm teaching here that I'm going too fast for you, so I'm going to try to slow it down a little bit. And I hope that you will be able to get and to comprehend uh, what I'm saying. We find ourselves in chapter 41 of the book of Genesis. Joseph is in prison. He's been in prison for two years because we read there in the very first verse that it was after two years that Pharaoh had a dream. And while Joseph was in prison, as we have learned, he interpreted the dreams of the Pharaoh's chief baker and the chief butler, and the chief baker was executed just as Joseph had predicted, but the chief butler was released and restored to his former position again, again, just as Joseph had predicted. Joseph made a request of the chief butler. He said, remember me to the Pharaoh. Mention to him that I'm in here, and I'm in here for no just reason. I was stolen away, and I was unjustly put into prison. But the Bible tells us in the last verse of the previous chapter, chapter 40, that when the butler was released, he forgot all about Joseph. But the Lord did not forget him. And so two years later, the Lord gave the Pharaoh a dream. He gave him a dream, and from this chapter, I've said I would like to uh, share with you seven, seven observations, seven revelations, and here they are, and and then we're going to start and go through them. First, the Lord of Joseph, the God of Joseph, is the God of history. Isaiah chapter 41 verse 4 tells us that the Lord is the God of history. Secondly, the will of God cannot be hastened, it can't be hurried, it can't be delayed, and it can't be overthrown. Thirdly, the Lord is faithful. He is faithful to all of his people, regardless of the situation they're in or the circumstances that prevail upon them. Fourthly, the Lord hides his will from some and reveals his will to others. Fifthly, the Lord always sends a messenger to speak for him. Sixthly, God's messengers do not promote themselves. And seventhly, the Lord always gives space to prepare for what he is going to do. So let's look at these again, and I'm just going to review briefly these first three or four. The Lord is the God of history. Now, it is important for us to keep in mind 
when we are looking at Joseph, that Joseph is not only a picture of the Messiah, but he is the figure of a true believer. Therefore, whatever we can learn about Joseph, we can apply not only to our Savior, but we can apply to ourselves. Certainly, the outstanding revelation, in my opinion, of the story of Joseph is that everything in his life has been brought to pass by his God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. As you know, as we have learned, when he was 17 years old, the Lord gave him two dreams. And in those dreams, the the two dreams were a prediction of his future. He didn't understand it at the time, but it was the dream showed that he would be exalted to a sovereign position of power and that he would be Lord over his brothers. So all of the events in Joseph's life have moved him forward toward the fulfillment of his dreams. Now, what does this mean to us? Well, like Joseph, we can be assured uh, that the dreams of our Lord Jesus Christ will be fulfilled. He came into the world to redeem a people, and he's going to have them. They're going to be called by the Lord's Spirit. They're going to be given faith to trust Him with their souls. And in spite of their failures, they will persevere unto the end of their lives. And the reason we persevere is because we are preserved. I hate to do this, but I'd like to turn this volume down a little bit. I think it's a little loud. Second, if we have trusted in our Lord Jesus Christ and Savior, we have a dream too. What do we dream about? Well, we dream of being with our Redeemer in His heaven, there to praise Him and there to serve Him for all eternity. He has promised to bring eternal life, to give eternal life to all who trust Him. And I believe that like Joseph, when we come to the end of our way, we'll be able to look back and sing, He has led me all the way. We sing a song here. It has this verse in it. All the way my Savior leads me. All the fullness of His love. Perfect rest to me is promised in my Father's house above. When my spirit, clothed immortal, wings its flight to realms of day, this my song through endless ages, Jesus led me all the way. Jesus led me all the way. So I think just like God led Joseph, if Joseph is a type of the believer, he's leading you if you are a believer. Secondly, the second lesson, the will and the purpose of the Lord can't be hastened and it can't be delayed. You know, when I was born, I was born on time. I was saved on time and I'm going to leave this world on time. Christ came on time, Christ died on time, and he's going to come again on time. And often we find our Lord saying in the Gospels, my time has not yet come. I remember reading from the Gospel of Luke chapter 4 when Jesus went into a synagogue and there he spoke to the crowd. They gave him a scroll to read. It was the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And he read a passage from, that, from, from Isaiah on that scroll. And then he said, this day these things have come to pass. This day these things have been fulfilled in your ears. And then he said to them, look, there were a lot of lepers in the days of uh, Elijah. 
uh, and none of them was cleansed. A lot of lepers in Israel, a lot of lepers in Israel, but he said none of them were cleansed, only a Gentile was cleansed. Now he's in a synagogue when he said this. He said there were a lot of widows in Israel in the days of the prophets. None of them were cleansed, but only this Gentile woman was cleansed. What happened? They rose up in wrath. They grabbed Jesus, they drug him out and says, the scripture says, you can read it in Luke chapter 4, they were going to throw him off of a cliff. But they were unsuccessful in doing that. Why? Because his time had not yet come. I often hear people on television and I read in the paper that somebody cheated death. My friends, you don't cheat death. You're going to leave when the Lord is determined for you to leave, and nothing you're going to be able to do or any of the doctors or anybody else is going to be able to delay that. Often the Pharisees plotted to murder the Lord Jesus Christ. Why couldn't they do it? Because his time had not yet come. There was nothing they could do to hasten or delay his death. Jesus said in John chapter 10, My Father loves me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man takes it from me. I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. John chapter 10. And the same goes for the history of the human race. The old world, this old world will stand just as long as the Lord has purposed and then it will be put away. We read in the book of Hebrews chapter 1, You, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They shall perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out. You will fold them up like a coat, and they shall be changed like clothes. They will go away, but you are the same. Your years shall not fail. Nothing that men or nations or parliaments or councils or all the nations put together can do. We hear all this stuff today about climate change and all of that can hasten, can delay, or can derail the will and the purpose of God in history for this world. It may surprise you, but I'm old enough to remember. Some of you uh, folks that are near my age might remember. I remember reading the headlines of the paper many years ago. They said they were, thought we were moving into an ice age. Now we're moving into a heat age. Well, the Bible does say in the book of Revelation that there will come a time when men will curse God because of the heat on the earth. I don't know. Maybe this is part of that. Maybe it's not. But I can tell you this. This world is going to stand as long as the Lord determines for it to stand. He's going to save the last person he's going to save, and then it's going to be wrapped up. Number three, the third lesson is the Lord is faithful. He was faithful to Joseph every step of the way. He never left him. He never let Joseph out of his sight. He was working in every situation to bring to pass his will and his purpose for Joseph. It was the Lord who protected Joseph from the plan of his brothers to kill him. It was the Lord who caused him to be sold to Potiphar. Pharaoh's jailer and not to someone else. It, it was the Lord that protected him from execution when Potiphar's wife lied about him. And when the chief butler forgot Joseph, it was the Lord who gave Pharaoh a dream. Now Joseph's path was not an easy one. In fact, the more I read Scripture, the more I find that God's people always have a tough row to hoe, as we say. His life was not an easy one, 
but he was guided by the Lord every step of the way. Paul wrote to the Corinthians and he said, God is faithful. God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 9. And again in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul said, There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not permit you to be tempted above what you are able to bear, but will with the temptation make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So the Lord is faithful. I bet all of you can stand up and testify that he's been faithful to you. Lesson number four. The Lord does things as he does to show himself and his will to his people and to hide himself in his will from the world. Now, I would like you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, and this is precisely where we left off last time. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, and let's read again this passage, and we're going to read some other passages from the Gospel of Matthew. But first we'll begin in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11. This is what the Lord Jesus says, beginning in verse, I think, 25. Matthew 11, verse 25. Jesus said, Father, I thank you. You're the Lord of heaven and earth. And I thank you because you have hid these things from the wise and prudent, and you have revealed them unto babes, even so, Father, for so it seems good in thy sight. Now, don't let a verse like that upset you and say, well, if I want to know something, God doesn't have to show it to me. That's not what this verse is saying. It's not what the Lord is saying. The wise and prudent, those, that refers to people who say, you know, I know it. I know what God, I know God, I know what His will is, I know all about it, I don't need anybody to teach me, you can't tell me anything. That's the wise and the prudent. But the babes are those who humble themselves and who come unto the Lord like Solomon and said, I am but a little child, I don't know how to go in and I don't know how to come out. Teach me. There's not one person that's ever asked the Lord to teach them or to save them and he has not taught them, or he has not saved them. So let's not make something of the Scripture that is not really teaching. Jesus is talking to these Pharisees, he's talking to these cities here who have resisted him and resisted his teaching, and this is what he says to them. He says, I thank you, Father, these things are hidden from the wise and the prudent. Unless men humble themselves and come to the Lord like little children. Isn't that what he said? He said, except you are converted and you become as little children, you shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. If we will humble ourselves and come to the Lord as little children, Lord, I don't know anything, teach me. He will, he will teach you. Uh, but he, he resists the pride and the proud of men. By the way, this passage uh, in uh, Matthew 11 is also recorded in Luke 10, uh, so it's recorded twice in the New Testament. Now the Lord gave Joseph some uh, dreams to encourage him concerning his future. He didn't understand a lot of it at that time. I'm convinced that as his life went along, he began to understand the significance of those dreams, but his brothers never did understand it. 
They never did understand it until Joseph revealed himself to them later on in the book of Genesis. Now, isn't it true with us? Don't, at least for me, I can say as I go through life, I begin to understand more and more the plan of God for his children and for his people. I don't think Moses understood it first. I don't think Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob understood when God first called them. But as they walked with the Lord, they began to understand. Certainly the 12 disciples didn't understand. Uh, but they did understand after the resurrection and after the Spirit was given to give them understanding. While they were with the Lord, they heard what he said, but they didn't really understand. Now, look in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, I've said this many times before, so it won't hurt to say it again. In the first 12 chapters of Matthew, there are no parables. The first parable is in Matthew chapter 13. Now, you'll notice that when Jesus is asked by his disciples why he's speaking to them in parables, he answers in verse 10, they ask him, why do you speak to them in parables? Verse 11, he said, Because it is given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. He says in verse 14 that the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled in them. Isaiah said by hearing, that's Isaiah uh, chapter 6, I think it is, By hearing you shall hear, and you shall not understand, and seeing you shall see, and you shall not perceive. This people's heart is waxed gross, their ears are dull of hearing, their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for you see, and your ears, for you hear." Many righteous people and prophets, verse 17, have desired to see the things that you see and have not seen them, and to hear the things that you've heard and have not heard them. So Jesus says here, I'm speaking in parables to hide the truth from some people and to reveal some truth in others. Jesus speaks of the hidden meal in Matthew 13, verses 31 through 33. He speaks of the hidden treasure in the field, Matthew 13, 44. When he talks about his death, if you'll look, uh, well, we won't go to the Gospel of Luke. He talks about his death and the meaning of his death in Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 18. And it says that the meaning of his death was hid even from his disciples. They didn't understand it. What about turning to John's Gospel, chapter 12? Gospel of John, New Testament. Chapter 12. Let's turn over there to that. Chapter 12, John 12, verse 35. Jesus said, While you have light, walk in the light you have, lest darkness come upon you. He that walks in darkness does not know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus and departed, and did what? He did hide himself from them. Here's Jesus hiding himself from some people, perhaps to teach them some valuable lesson. 
Only the Spirit of God can reveal what is hidden. What God is hidden, no man can know. Only God's Spirit can reveal them. It's the Holy Spirit who reveals truth to us. The natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. Here's what Paul said to the Corinthians. He said, if our gospel is hid, it's hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. In other words, the gospel and the, the God of the gospel and the Christ of the gospel, all of this good news is hidden from people who don't want anything to do with the Lord. And they're blinded, he says, by the God of this world. That would be the devil or Lucifer. He compares coming to know him and trust in him to the power of the creation. He says, God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. When, when Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? Well, some of them say you're one of the Old Testament prophets reincarnated. Some of them say you're John the Baptist come back whose head was cut off. He said, who do you say that I am? Well, they answered and they said, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah. You know what he said? Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So the natural man, if you're talking to the natural man, it is exactly like talking to a corpse. If you talk to a corpse and say, if you hear me, raise your hand. If you talk to me, raise your hand. Pharaoh Griswold told us a story one time. He had us hanging on the edge of our pews many years ago. He said he went to a meeting and the pastor had nowhere for, for him to sleep, but the church was built next to uh, a funeral home. And he said, he asked him, Farrell, I know this is unusual, but would you mind spending the night in the funeral home? And Farrell said he stood, spent the night in a room in a funeral home. And he said curiosity got to him, and in the middle of the night, he got up and walked around the funeral home, and he went in where all those bodies were. And he said, I went up to one, one man who was there. He said, uh, I don't know how old he was, but he said, I began to talk to him. And he said, you know, he didn't answer me a word. He said he didn't move his finger, he didn't move his toes, he didn't respond in any way. I told him I'd help him get out of there if he'd just give me an indication. And he said, none of them responded to me. When you're talking to a person who's lost, you're talking to a corpse, a spiritual corpse. They don't have ears to hear, they don't have eyes to see, they don't have hearts to understand. Doesn't the scripture tell us in Romans chapter 3, we need to try to remember what the Bible says. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3, beginning in verse 9 and following, there's no one who seeks God. Now, when Adam sinned against the Lord, did he run, when he heard the voice of the Lord his God coming in the garden, did he run after the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I've sinned? No, it says he ran from God. He said he tried to hide from the Lord. And there are many people in America, they're running from God. And many of them are in churches. They're in churches where they have pastors and teachers and preachers and not ever opening, really opening the Word. They're just entertaining them. Entertaining them on the way into eternity. We need to get into the Word of God and find out what God Himself says. Romans chapter 9 says there's no one who seeks after God. Adam didn't seek after God. The Lord called him and went after Adam. 
Adam, where are you? Well, I heard your voice and I was afraid. Why are you afraid? I come and visit you every day. What's changed your, your attitude here? Why have you gone from faith to fear? Have you eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? I told you not to eat of. This world is running from God as fast as they can run, and the, one of the best places to hide is in religion. People join churches, they walk out, they sign cards, they even get baptized, but they don't know the Lord. I want you to know the Lord. I want you to be trusting Christ. I, don't, I want you to know Him whom you say you believe. The natural man cannot understand. The natural man doesn't know the Lord, and you are not going to be able to convince him. We think today that bringing people to Christ is out-talking them. You can out-talk them, give them better arguments so that they'll consider the arguments you give them. Listen, the only way you'll ever see anybody in your family converted is if the Spirit of God gets involved and opens their eyes and unstops their ears. That's the only way you'll ever see it. So what does that mean? It means we need to be people of prayer. We need to be praying. We need to be asking the Lord to do something. If he doesn't do something, nothing's going to happen. Just today, we started having prayer here. We, should have been, we, we used to have prayer in my study. I guess the coronavirus and everything else ran it out the door. But this morning, we had prayer with the group of adults in there it, that had the adult class. We had Prayer with audio-video people, and we had prayer up here with the musicians. And I intend for us to do that every single week. The Lord said, my house should be called a house of prayer. We do everything but pray now when we come together. We just want to be spiritualized. We want to be entertained. And then we want to go back out and do our thing. My friends, we must have the power of the Holy Spirit or we are going to leave the same way we came in. The power of the Spirit is the only one who can change the hearts of men. All right, lesson number five. The Lord always sends a messenger to speak for him. I could have you turn to Psalm 105, but if you turn there, you'll find out these words beginning in verse 16. The Lord called for famine upon the land. He broke the whole staff of bread. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron. Until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. The king sent and loosed him, that's the Pharaoh, sent and loosed him, even the ruler of the people, and let him go free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all substance to bind his princes at his pleasure and to teach his senators wisdom. That's all from Psalm 105, which tells us about the Lord putting uh, Joseph in charge of Egypt. The prophet spoke, thus saith the Lord to their generation. John the Baptist was the mouthpiece to the last generation before the coming of Christ. You may know this, but the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 16, verse 16, that John was the last of the prophets, the last of the prophets. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached. And so the Lord has people in this generation too, and he raises up 
men and women to speak for him to this generation. Lesson number six, God's prophets, God's speakers, God's messengers never promote themselves. These prophets, these mouthpieces for God didn't climb up through the ranks, and that's what's happened to our churches today. In churches today, you come in just like in a corporation, and you work yourself up through the ranks. And then you, you get, I read the other day a list of things, and I, want, I don't want anybody to misunderstand me. I don't think there's anything wrong with honestly earning a living, even if you're in the ministry. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I do think that it's wrong for men to be, be worth millions and millions of dollars from pastoring churches. It ought to be our ambition to do what we can to get the gospel out with whatever the Lord has blessed us with financially. That ought to be our goal to try to do that. Promotion doesn't come from the east, west, north, or south. According to Psalm 75, God is the judge. He puts down one and he sets up another. Now this fellow Pharaoh thinks that he promoted Joseph, but he didn't promote Joseph. Joseph was promoted by the Lord using the Pharaoh to do so. It was the Pharaoh who promoted him. We're not promoted because of smartness or ingenuity or hard work. It's the Lord who promotes us. The scriptures tell us that we aren't in the promotion business. Pharaoh thought he was a promoter, but he wasn't. He thought he was promoting Joseph, but he wasn't. If you look back, I'll read this to you, Genesis chapter 41, in Genesis chapter 41, it says in verse 15, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream, nobody can interpret it, I've heard say of you that you can understand the dream, and Joseph answered and said, it's not in me. This is Genesis 41 and verse 16, it's not in me, God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Now, he was in a perfect position to promote himself. A perfect position to say, yeah, I know how to tell you about those dreams. You get me out of prison, you get me out of jail, I'll do that favor for you. He didn't promote himself. He said, I don't know anything about dreams. In fact, he could have said, you know, he gave me a dream some 13 years ago, and I'm still working on it. I don't understand it. But I know good and well it was from the Lord. It is God who put Joseph where he was. It is God who's using the Pharaoh to promote him. You can go back in your Bible sometime and read Romans chapter 9 verse 17 where there was another Pharaoh during the time of Moses. And it says in Romans 9 17 that God said to Pharaoh, even for the same purpose, I raised you up. I raised you up. I took a heathen Pharaoh and I put him on the throne for a specific reason to show my power in thee that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. I don't believe we should ever promote ourselves. And Joseph never even suggested, if you're in Genesis 41, look at verse 33. He never even suggested that he was the guy that should be put in charge. After he interpreted Pharaoh's dream, 
Then he counseled him. He gave him some good advice. Let's begin reading in verse 32. Genesis 41, verse 32. He says, The dream was doubled unto Pharaoh. It's because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. Now, this is what I give you advice, Mr. Pharaoh, verse 33. Let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise, and let him set him over the land of Egypt. And let Pharaoh do this, and let him appoint officers over the land, and take up the fifth part. What is that? That's 20%. Take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years. And then let them gather all the food of those good years that come, and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh, and let them keep food in the cities. Verse 36, And that food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine. In other words, you, 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 you get all the food in you can during the seven good years, and you store it up, so when the seven bad years come, you got plenty of food. Verse 37, And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and the eyes of all of his servants. Not one word would you find Joseph saying, Hey, I'm your man. You never find Joseph promoting himself. You never find him saying, I can do it. You never find that. Pharaoh said, Can we find such a one as this is, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? So, when Joseph said, take a man and let him do this and let him do that, Pharaoh said, I think we found it. And that's you, Joseph. I'm going to put you in charge. He goes on to say, I'm going to give you the official ring. I'm going to give you an official chariot. And no man will be able to buy or sell in Egypt without your permission. Verse 40. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto the word shall all my people be ruled only in the throne. Will I be greater than you? And Pharaoh said to Joseph, verse 41, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand, and he put it on Joseph's hand, and he arrayed him in vestures of fine linen. In other words, he gave him the type of clothes that would signify his rank and position. He put a gold chain about his neck. He made him ride in the second chariot, verse 43, which he had. And they cried, cried before him, bow the knee. And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said, verse 44, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Nobody will be able to do a thing without you and your permission. Now, who did all that? Well, the Lord did. Pharaoh was doing it for his own benefit because he knew Joseph was a wise man. But it is the Lord who's moving Joseph along. Joseph never promotes himself. He never suggested that he was the man Pharaoh should promote. And when you read the Gospels, you'll never find our Savior promoting himself. You'll never find the prophets promoting themselves. You'll never find the apostles promoting himself. The rule is found in Proverbs 27 and verse 2, let another's lips praise thee and not thine own. I am convinced, and I know this is a radical position to take, especially with a small church like this, but I am convinced that there, like one man said, he said, when I get to heaven, there'll be three surprises for me. He said, number one, I'll be surprised that I'm there. 
great sinner that I am. Number two, he said, I'll look for people and I'll be surprised that they're not there. And he said, number three, there'll be a lot of people I didn't expect there who will be there. They will be there. If they're there, they will be there by the grace of God. That's for sure. But I am convinced myself, this is just my position, I do not believe that pastors, preachers, and teachers ought to be selling books or raising money to stay on television. That's what I believe. I believe if God gave you a message, then you preach the message and you teach the message. I do not believe that the Bible should be put second to some other book. We shouldn't read books to see what the Bible says. Let's read the Bible to see what the books say. Let's interpret the books by the Bible, not the Bible by the books. And believe me, I've got a library of books. I'm a bibliophile. I have hundreds of books, perhaps thousands of books. We've got a whole library of books in here. But I think it has pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save those who believe. You might say, well, a book is just somebody preaching in print, perhaps, but let's give them away. Let's give the books away. Let's give our tapes away. Let's give our CDs away. I guarantee you, if it's of the Lord, he'll supply. He'll supply. You won't have to put a price on it. I got a message from God, and you can have it for $25. Is that consistent? That's not consistent with Scripture. I don't think we ought to be selling things. I don't think we ought to be promoting things. I think we ought to be preaching the Word of God to men as they are, telling them who God is as He is in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. The modern church has gotten into the promotion business. You need to, I, I can't tell you how much literature I get telling me I need to go to this seminar and to that seminar and to learn this and to learn that. I need to hear this man I need to hear this woman. I need to be at this particular meeting. I get tons of literature that telling me all of that. My friends, the only one who should be promoted is the Lord Jesus Christ. There's one celebrity in the kingdom of God, and that is Jesus Christ, our Savior. And only one book should be promoted, and that's the Word of God. And I don't believe sinners are brought to the truth by promotion. I don't think it's the messenger that ought to be praised. It's the God who sent that messenger, if indeed God did send to him or her. And one reason the gospel and the Lord of the gospel are no longer respected in our churches is because the churches employ the tactics and the salesmanship of the world. I know this is, not, uh, this is not popular, but if I can talk you into making a profession of faith in Jesus, somebody else can talk you out of it. If I can get you down the aisle and get you praying down here at the altar and get you sending in your tithes and your gifts and your offerings, if I can do all of that, somebody else can talk you out of it. Let me say it again. Only God's Spirit can convert sinners. We should be witnessing to them. We should be giving them the light we have. We should be talking to them because they, like us, are on the way into eternity, but we can't save them. Only the Lord can save them. And if we believe that, we should be praying. We should be asking Him who can convert them to do so. Well, number seven, number seven, the Lord always gives space to prepare for what he's going to do. 
We read in verse 25 of Genesis chapter 41, Joseph said the dream of Pharaoh is one. God had showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. He's showed him what he's about to do, and he's going to give you seven years to prepare for what he's about to do. Now, I don't know how old each of you are, but however old you are, if you don't know the Lord, that's how many years the Lord has given you so far to prepare. He gives you space to prepare for eternity. He gives you space to prepare for what he is about to do. Paul, when he preached to the elders of Ephesus in Acts chapter 20, he said, I'm going to call you into account this very day that if any of you should be lost, I'm not responsible. I am free from the blood of all men because I have not held back anything. I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Acts chapter 20, verses 26 and 27. Ezekiel was sent out to preach to some people, and the Lord told him ahead of time, they're not going to listen to you. They're not going to hear a word you say. But he said this, whether they will hear or whether they will not hear, for they are a rebellious house, they shall know. They'll know. I don't know when they'll know. Maybe when they stand up in the judgment. But they'll know there has been a prophet among them. They will have been warned. They will have no excuse. And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them. Do not be afraid of their words. Though briars and thorns be with you, and though you dwell among scorpions, be not afraid of their words. They will defy you. They will despise you. Do not be dismayed at their looks, though they are a rebellious house. Speak my words unto them, whether they will hear or whether they will not hear, for they are most rebellious. Ezekiel chapter 2, verses 5 through 7. Many years ago, probably 35, 40 years ago, I was preaching in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And I was preaching about uh, religious people being lost. And uh, a man jumped up and started screaming. He started hollering and he started screaming. And the whole service was disrupted. I found out he was one of the main cogs in that church. But the Lord showed him that he was lost and it upset him. We have a generation today who are religious, but they are lost. They do not know the Lord. They know how to go to church. They know how to talk religiously. They know how to do religious things, but they don't know the Lord. My friends, if our generation knew the Lord, would we be in the shape we're in today? Would we we have senators and congressmen in Washington who are going to pass laws to ensure that two men can marry or that two women can marry? Does that sound like something comes from God's Word? I told you about a friend of mine who was asked to open the Congress in prayer, but they told him, they said, you cannot pray in the name of Jesus in the United States Capitol. You can't pray in the name of Jesus. I mean, you might offend some unbelievers. You might offend some Muslims. You might offend somebody else. So you can pray. Well, who are you going to pray to? Who are you praying to? In what name are you approaching? If you don't approach God in the name of Jesus Christ, you will not be heard. 
No man comes to the Father but by me. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. The servant of the Lord has to be fearless. Did you catch this? And I'm almost through. Genesis chapter 40. When those two men had that, uh, those dreams, one of them's dream wasn't so, wasn't so good. And I, I confess that unless the Lord had helped me, I'd have probably tried to trim the edges a little bit. <laughs> I'd have probably said, well, you know, uh, some things, I mean, the Lord's showing me it's not going to be that good for you. That's not the way Joseph was. He was right up front with him. Genesis chapter 40, verse 18, verse 18. Joseph answered and said, this is the interpretation of your dream. The three baskets are three days. In three days, Pharaoh is going to call for you, and he's going to remove your head from you, and he's going to hang you on a tree, and the birds are going to eat your flesh from off of you. Now, you tell me Joseph wasn't a, a bold man? Listen, today people get upset if you ever mention the word hell. There was a woman who said, I'm not going back to that church. Why? Because they make you feel like a sinner. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. He didn't come to save good folks. If you're a good person, you don't need a Savior. I'm preaching the gospel to people who are sinners. You're looking at a sinner, a big sinner, probably the biggest sinner in this building is talking to you today. And I'm telling you how, no matter how big of a sinner you are, he can save you. He can save you. He will save you if you'll trust him. Learn a, another lesson from Joseph, and it's this, wait on the Lord. Genesis 41, verse 1. Came to pass at the end of two years, Joseph's dreams. Can you believe that? He's been in Egypt for 13 years. He was 17 years old when his brother sold him. Uh, most 17-year-olds, year old, if their brothers sold them, that would have been enough to break them. And now here he is. He's 30 years old. This guy, two years ago, Joseph interpreted his dreams and said, put in a good word for me. And he got out. He forgot all about Joseph. So now the Lord let Joseph stay in prison for two more years. He's not moving very quickly, is he? Well, we're not on our time schedule. He's not on our time schedule. We're on his. Two more years, and finally, the Lord said, I'm going to give Pharaoh a dream. And then all of a sudden, that chief butler is going to remember Joseph. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember two years ago now, there was a guy in there that interpreted my dream. He remembered that dream, as I told you last week, because it was in his favor. That's the only reason he remembered it. Joseph was a patient man. He was waiting on the Lord. This is what David said, and I close. I waited patiently for the Lord. This is Psalm 40. And he inclined unto me, and he heard my cry. He brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, and he established my goings. And he put a new song in my mouth, 
even praise to our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man that makes the Lord his trust and respects not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. No matter where you've been, no matter where you are, you probably haven't experienced anything like Joseph experienced. But let me encourage you by pointing you to him. Wait on the Lord. Trust him. Go on praising him, knowing that he can make a way out of no way. May the Lord add his blessings to his word. Let me say to all of you, if you have never come to Christ, if you have never believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, seek the Lord now while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. If I can help you, if you'd like to talk to me, I'd be glad to sit down and talk to you. We'll open up the scripture. We'll look at it. But I can tell you this, you must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. Let's stand together. This week, invite somebody to come and worship with you, at least one person. Invite one person this week to come and worship with you. Offer to pick them up. Offer to meet them. Tell them you'll meet them. People don't like coming into a strange place where they don't know people. Tell them, I'll meet you at the door. You can sit with me. Invite somebody to come with you, okay? Okay? All right, is this our key? Under the blood of Jesus, safe in the shepherd's home. blessings in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ upon those who are present. We pray for the children that you'll save them, for their parents that you'll save them, for the grandparents that you'll save them. We ask you to put a burden on the heart of the parents for their children that they may come to know the Lord, that they might be a witness to them, that they might talk to them as much as they can about the Lord, never assuming that because they're children, they can't understand. We ask your blessings upon the word that has been opened today, though it has been poorly delivered. We know that the blessing doesn't come because of the speaker, but because of the God who is spoken of, the Savior who can save anyone. And we pray, Father, that you will send your spirit upon this nation. We're headed for trouble. We're in trouble and headed for more trouble. We ask you, Lord, that you will give some senators and some congressmen and some judges and some mayors and governors the courage to stand for the Bible, to stand for the Word of God. 
We ask all of these things as we leave this place in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and for his sake. Amen. And you're dismissed. Thank you.